Welcome to Brown's Film Breakdown. This is episode 11. I'm your host, Jake Burns, writer for the OBR, writer for Cleveland.com, coming at you with a midweek episode where we will look to attack the hot topics of the week, discuss a little bit of the injury report as we know it currently, talk coaching, talk coaching changes, where the head coaching search is looking as we move toward these last three games, and sort of round up all the recent news. So uh, just a quick reminder, guys, if you have not been able to uh, hop onto iTunes, give us a review, give us a rating, subscribe. Please do so. Very important to the overall Browns Film Breakdown podcast, and it'll be very important to our future. I will remind you that coming out soon will be another Browns Blue Wire podcast hosted by Jordan Zerm. It will be called The Rebuild. Uh, I really urge you guys to follow Jordan, follow his podcast. He'll be doing a great job as he covers a myriad of topics. Jordan is a producer for The Tomahawk Show, which is the wildly popular Joe Thomas and uh, Andrew Hawkins podcast up in Cleveland. He does work at uh, ESPN Cleveland as well, and he's a uh, he's, he's really big figure up there in the in the Cleveland market, and I think he'll do a great job bringing on guests and covering a wide range of topics. So we'll continue what we do here, Brownsville Breakdown. We'll try to keep things as analytical as possible, giving you post-game, giving you preview, giving you all this schematic discussion as possible. I urge you to, if you get a minute, uh, read the Cleveland.com article I just put out today that covered the ins and outs of Freddie Kitchen's ability to change this Browns offense. I gave you four reasons that I think the offense has taken a completely different path and a completely different structure to allow this group to take their game to the next level. And that's really all, in large part, due to Freddie Kitchens. So uh, I do encourage you to read that. You can learn a little bit about his game plan, areas in which he's improved them, and I think it will it will start to, to shift your mind to the idea that Freddie Kitchens is is building a real resume to stay here long term. I don't know how and in what capacity that will be, my goal will be to seek as many opinions from valuable minds up in Cleveland who can give that opinion on how that could be, but there's no denying that Freddie Kitchens is putting together a really, really strong resume that will that will be hard for the Browns to turn away. Now, there are two good defenses left for the Browns to play. they got to play one of the best fronts in the NFL right now in Denver on Saturday night, primetime mile high. Uh, big matchup with Von Miller and who the Browns passed on Bradley Chubb at number four, both of which have uh, you know, produced some really high pressure and sack numbers. It'll be a nice test for the Browns, a nice test for Baker Mayfield, and another nice test for Freddie Kitchens for how he can plan to stop these speed rush defensive ends. So that part will be very interesting. But if, if, if Kitchens is able to put together two really strong performances with this offense to close the year, and God forbid this team wins three games in a row and is in the actual playoff hunt, the interest around Greg Williams, the interest around uh, Freddie Kitchen staying here will just continue to escalate, continue to escalate, and it'll be a hot topic as as the year uh, finishes out. So we hope for the best in that regard. Uh, big news on the injury front today. We did lose, it appears, the Browns are going to lose Denzel Ward another week. He's not out of concussion protocol yet. The game is obviously sped up a day. I would imagine if we don't hear today that he is he is back in practice on this this uh, upcoming Wednesday. We probably would be planning to not play with him. So it'll be TJ Carey and uh, Terrence Mitchell, who just came back last week, both of which will arrive in the starting lineup on the outside again. And that'll mean more Brian Body Calhoun in the slot, which I thought he played relatively effectively against the Panthers. So uh, not all is lost. And Denver's struggling with injury issues themselves. Their, their first-round rookie, Cortland Sutton, wide receiver, is dealing with a thigh injury. He left last week's game. He might not be able to play. They obviously lost... Emmanuel Sanders to a an Achilles uh, just uh, just last week and has done for the foreseeable future. So it's it's not a bad week for Ward to miss in general. But without wasting any more time, let's get to today's guest. Uh, a, a guest I think you guys will really enjoy, and he will be able to provide some really good insight on the feeling not only around the coaching search but around the city in general 
how everyone's feeling, uh, fan base, perspective, and I think you guys will enjoy. So I'll be right back with Ken Carmen. Okay, guys, lucky enough to be joined by uh, 92.3, uh, you know, your, your favorite morning figure, Ken Carmen. I'm really humbled, man. I, I, I thank you for taking some time for me, Ken. How are you today? Oh, I'm glad to be on. Thank you very much for having me, brother. I'm doing well. Good, good deal. I, uh, I want to pick your brain about a couple things, Ken. Obviously, uh, being close to the franchise and all of those things, it, it, I, I, I really just crafted a long pen uh, Cleveland.com piece on Freddie Kitchens and what he's doing offensively. What, what is your, what's your vibe about the candidacy of Kitchens staying on long term? Kind of throwing a big one at you early here. Do you think in, in terms of? In terms of being an offensive coordinator? Yeah, not a head coach. He's not ready for that yet. But do you think it is it is okay for the Browns to sort of say, we want to hire somebody, but this caveat is we really love this offensive coordinator and you need to keep him? That sort of idea. Well, I think – yeah, I think it, it – depending on who they get, I think it really needs to be the other way around. Because um, you want if – they, if they get a big sexy name or anything like that, I think that that guy's going to want to hire his own guy. And that still might be Freddie Kitchens or that still might be somebody else. So I think that that's going to have to be something that they, they take into consideration with that, with that candidate. Uh, but for Freddie, I, he's, he's done a very good job, a very good job. And he's doing so much for his own, for his own career. I got into it today because some people said, well, he's, he, he's got nothing to lose. Well, he, he damn well has something to lose. I, he has never been an offensive coordinator before this bump. And now he's getting to be an offensive coordinator. He is working with Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield is flourishing in his offense. And if he were to take this, oh, man, this is my shot. I can really do something here, and, and try to put Baker Mayfield in a position where Baker Mayfield can't succeed, it, it would kill his name and certainly kill his reputation with the fans anyway. So I think a lot of people are loving Freddie Kitchens because you're seeing a quarterback play well. Now, that's basically – I can give some of that because Baker's that good, and he is that good. But we also saw Baker Mayfield in another offense with Todd Haley that I'm not trying to buck and mouth Todd Haley on the way out the door, but was not advantageous to his skill set or what he does on the football field. So I think Freddie should be given a ton of credit. And I also, maybe not even just for Baker, but but for being able to run this offense and and work it the right way with Baker. But I also think that he should be given a, a strong shot at being the offensive coordinator but I don't even know if it should be just by the Browns. I think that any coach coming in here, unless their relationship with some offensive coordinator is that strong, and that's something you always worry about because coaching can be very incestual. Um, I think that I think that you really need to to focus on the relationship he has with a budding, outstanding young quarterback. And then see if that's really going to work for the long term because I really think it can. Yeah, no, absolutely, and I think that that kind of piggybacks into the Bruce Arians conversation. Do you think? Do you think that Freddie Kitchen's success, his outwardly in the media saying he would keep the coordinator angle, is that is that something that is working in Arians' favor, or do you still think it's sort of neutral? Uh, we're going to look at everybody sort of thing here going on still. Yeah, I think it's you know I think it's. I think it's advantageous for for Bruce Arians with the fans, but I don't know if it's really advantageous with the organization. Mm -hmm. Uh, He has been talking a lot and campaigning openly about taking the job, and he's been saying some things that a lot of the fans like. One, Bruce Arians is a well-respected coach and a very good coach. 
uh, but he has age working against him, and he has his health that's working against him as well. Not, not, not to be an ageist, but he did leave for health purposes there. So that's something that you have to take into consideration. Pete Carroll's as old as the hills, and he's healthy as a horse, and so is Nick Saban. So his, his health is brought into consideration. But also, I, I don't want to be stuck in a position that immediately if there's any sort of adversity, and there's going to be some at some point here with Baker Mayfield and this football team if they want to get going where they want to go, I don't automatically want to look at it and go, well, Bruce Arians is 68 going on 69 years old. we got to get him the hell out of here and get somebody else in there. And Now we all got to rally around Freddie Kitchens because he's the head coach in waiting now because he's the offensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. If you say that enough and you say it around enough players, they'll start to run with it. Because if there's, if there's some sort of rumor that's going around, this is how media can affect things. If there's some sort of rumor going around, they'll hear it so much, it, it'll start to creep in the back of their mind. Say they lose two or three straight, and they're supposed to be winning the division, all of a sudden you start to think about, well, now people are on thin ice, and you keep getting asked about people on thin ice, and then people keep bringing up Freddie Kitchens, and naturally they're going to they're start backing Freddie Kitchens. Even if Freddie Kitchens isn't a head coach in waiting, they still might do that. I think that's where a lot of people might take it. So as much as Bruce Arians is a great coach and a respected coach, and people really enjoy him, I think that might be a dangerous scenario for them for the future because you're going to need someone who can stick it out for the long term as the head coach. And that might even mean Freddie Kitchens moves on to another to another team in a bigger role somewhere down the line because if Baker continues to play well with Freddie Kitchens, say, next year and the year after that, it's just going to be a matter of time before people start to look at him as a head coach too. Yeah, that's that's spot on. I think his future is bright, and we're just kind of getting to the beginning of that, uh, what it could be yeah. for Freddie. I, I think, too – I want to get your opinion, Ken. If if not the Greg Williams retains the job, if not Bruce Arians gets the job, retains the coordinators, and they sort of clean house, what names intrigue you the most? I, I mean, obviously the news today broke. Flip uh, John DeFilippo's fired from uh, Minnesota, so that name is sort of set to the side in a sense. What other names intrigue you, or would you feel like as you know covering this team as you do would be a home run hire, not only fan base wise, but a home run hire? Uh, structurally, organizationally, that sort of thing? Well, I, I think that guys who I really like already have jobs. Uh, I love John Harbaugh, and I think that if John Harbaugh and, and Baltimore were to have a separation, even if they make the playoffs, I guess that's that's possible, but that's more wishful thinking. I understand that. If they were to have a separation, I'd do anything I could to bring John Harbaugh in. I think he's a great manager of people. I, I think that Baker's the type of quarterback that he could – he could come here and he could work with Baker Mayfield, but he could let Baker Mayfield maybe work with either Freddie Kitchens or somebody else, mm-hmm. and they could do a great job. But, you know, it's almost the same thing as where a general manager can't talk about people with other jobs. Until he really has been let go, I can only dare to dream. Uh, guys who are possible. With John D. Filippo, it makes me nervous that a lot of us, a lot of writers and a lot of radio guys and stuff like that really love John D. Filippo. But you talk to a couple of players, a couple of players who have played for him, in a couple of different places, uh, they haven't always been overwhelmed. So I hate to say it because I don't want to see anybody lose a job, but at least it makes it a little bit easier to make a case against John Filippo with what transpired on Monday night mm-hmm. and then what happened on Tuesday afternoon with him getting let go. I think I have trust issues with Josh McDaniels, but he, he'll, he'll get brought up and is a good offensive mind. Um. Gosh, there's just been so many names. You know, Jason Lock and Ford told Baskin and Phelps Chris Peterson. That's an interesting name. Uh, the guy out of Washington. He, he did. He, he's such a low key personality. Uh, it might work a little bit better because Baker seems to be such an alpha male there. 
Uh, Mike McCarthy makes me nervous because of the possibility of uh, of two guys who are headstrong with Baker and with uh, with Mike McCarthy being an offensive guy where you might have problems there. I think Baker and, and, and Greg Williams actually work because while Greg Williams is obscenely intense, mm-hmm. he's still defensive. He's a defensive guy. So that might actually bring enough intensity to, to really work long term if they were to make him a serious candidate. Now, I'm not sure. There are politics that are involved in the NFL with this. Some of the other owners might start to look uh, towards the Browns' direction and apply pressure, whether we like that or not. That's, that's part of what plays here. Uh, but I, I think that those are a couple of the names that I would think about. I'm sure you can name a couple of names that I would go, oh, yeah, you know, that guy might be good. But, you know, just off the top of my head, we're starting to knock down a couple of candidates as yeah. time goes on. So yeah. I, I think with, with some of the guys who are in the league, the same old, same old that we've been talking around for the, talking about for the last month are probably still the same names we're going to be talking about for the next few weeks. Yeah, no, I, I, I obviously agree. I think, I think what's interesting is there's not a Matt Nagy this off season. There's not somebody that most around the league feel is a slam dunk immediate hire that people would all feel good about. And I think that that will probably end up benefiting Greg Williams in some way and benefiting Bruce Arians in some way. But it doesn't mean it doesn't mean anything is is uh, sort of etched in stone there. It's just going to be interesting to see how they craft a hire that, that is not going to be universally loved by everybody. I think that that part gets interesting. But that the, 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 to the next topic, which is Freddie Kitchens and Baker, I want to I want to touch on this window. Obviously, you have a quarterback who is proven to be not just the best rookie quarterback, but in the, in the second half of this season, week nine on, the, the Browns' offense is leading in yards per play. Mayfield's playing like a top seven quarterback in the league, maybe higher if you could, you could convince me. It is this window that's open now, what do the Browns – this is a tough question because I'm kind of throwing it at you quick. What, what do the Browns need to do to immediately jump to the playoff next year? What, in your mind, they need to improve this and this positionally to, to make a jump and find themselves at the top of the AFC North and a chance to make the playoffs. What do you think? Secondary, and I'd like still some. Uh, I, I'd like some more beef across the front four, and I'd like some help with the linebacker. I'd still like to do some defense. I've been amazed, and I want to underline that word amazed with what Baker Mayfield's done with these guys as as far as his weapons are concerned. Brashad Brashad Perriman was thought of as a also ran in a bust and part of a bad draft class again, and he's been catching things here. That's what that's what great quarterbacks do, and I mean that sincerely. You look at a guy like Victor Cruz, who had a nice career until it was shortened by injuries. I don't know if he ends up being who he is if he didn't have Eli Manning in his prime. I don't know if we talk about Willie Sneed if he doesn't end up in camp with the New, with the New Orleans Saints and ends up playing with Drew Brees. And you could look at the laundry list of little wide receivers who were also Rams who played with Tom Brady, who were guys who were left off by their own teams. Wes Welker could thank Tom Brady for even having a career. Now, Wes Welker puts in the work and put in the work and, and played very well, but he was a kick returner who the Dolphins didn't know what to do with until he played with Tom Brady. Rashad Perryman they didn't know what to do with because he couldn't catch the damn ball before he started playing with Baker. Now Baker and him, they've developed the rapport. The same thing with Rashad Higgins. So some people want to focus on wide receiver, and I understand it would be nice to still have a guy who you know is going to be really, really good, but we also know that wide receiver is a crapshoot. I might still go in the secondary. Add some add some depth in the secondary still. Certainly add across the defensive line. I, I'm still keeping an eye on Emmanuel Abba. I know that he he's he's able to help in some support. He had a good game against Carolina from what I saw, but I still like a little bit more because it'll free up Miles Garrett. But I still focus on the defensive side because the way that the offense is running right now, they have made the offensive line 
look better and the offensive line has in turn been able to play better because of the change in offense. Yeah, I think defensive tackle, like you said, is, is an imperative position. They they strung themselves a little tight there with some cuts and trades that I think that they didn't expect to be as tight as they are there. Trevon Cole is Well, hell, Jake, I mean, yeah. Yeah, I mean, hell, you look at you look at Larry Ogunjobi. Larry Ogunjobi's having to play with a torn bicep. Because what, what you got? You got Brian Price? Yeah. And maybe Anthony Zettel behind that. It's, it, it's tough. Yeah. It's, it's tough. I, I totally agree with you on that one. Yeah, it's very thin. And I think that what they might consider is if they if they go with a DN and a DN crazy draft, because that is the loaded position, can Emmanuel Ogba put on 15 or so pounds and become a, a factor inside? You know, can Chad Thomas eventually become a fact? That that's all stuff they have to weigh. But you're right, linebacker, corner, wide receiver, offensive tackle, big yeah. positions in some in some capacity. In in some capacity, whether they take them in free agency or later on in you know later rounds of the draft, we'll, we'll just have to see. But I'll close with this, Ken. I don't want to take too much of your time, man. What what what? Most of the people who listen to these podcasts that myself and a lot of others, you know, do a nice job of putting together some of these podcasts. They don't get the fortune of listening to. Uh, every time to radio up there you guys do a great job with the radio up there local radio I, w- I want to get your vibe on the difference in this year's feel to the maybe the last even 2014 2014 to an extent you got it but just the feel of the city I think this this year equates yeah they're only five seven and one you keep it in perspective that's not great um, it's obviously a vast improvement over 0 and 16 1 and 15 but it's not great in the grand scheme of things but I equate it to that to the rookie year of LeBron where they were about 12 games under 500 and you could see this sort of virtuoso player coming into his own uh, as as a as a maestro on the basketball court and we're sort oh, of yeah. seeing that with Baker Mayfield now we know he's not a finished product but we can see the ceiling might be as Michael Jordan referenced through the roof like it could be to this guy as someday the best player right there with Patrick Mahomes at the position in the next five years so I just kind of want to get your vibe is it overwhelmingly positive up there I know that Mayfield made the comment about more fans needing to come out um is is it a different feel up there I think it is and I I know he made those comments some people I I don't know maybe maybe people have been conditioned in a couple of different ways because Anthony and I talked about it on Tuesday morning. We didn't want to talk about it on Monday because of the, you know, they won and, and we're excited. And they are still in the hunt for the playoffs there, and we thought that those things, especially with the way, with with the way Greg Williams is doing, we we thought it was more important to talk about that. But we did dive into it on Tuesday, and I was actually asked a question by someone in the building about that, and it wasn't about Baker taking any shots. I didn't think Baker took any shots. He comes from college football. He's just there last year. Where. Oklahoma's a traveling road show. There's always a packed house at home or away. It doesn't matter. Yeah. I didn't take so, it as a I, shot either. He, he, I th- yeah. I'm yeah, yeah. Yeah. He, he, yeah. He took, I think that he, he wants fans to come out and support. He, mm-hmm. he wants Browns fans to come out there and, and put it out there. And it's different in the NFL and it's a business. And I, th- this is going to be, this is going to be a roundabout way to answer it because I gave the same answer to somebody in here in the building just to, honestly, just 15, 20 minutes ago. They asked me about, the fans going in December and what'll get them going. And it's not just, we say, well, winning, winning, winning. No, they've won a couple of games and people are excited. I think some people are actually relieved because we've, we've been excited about quarterbacks before and none of them could hold a candle to this kid. Uh, but I think that there's a couple of things. One with the younger people, you got to make it the place to be. And they do that very well in the NBA. So your 20-year-olds, your millennials, hate using that word, but there you are. Mm-hmm. Your millennials, you've got you to gotta make it the place to be so they can take their selfies and they can say, I was here and I'm a part of this and, I'm, and, and this is successful. So they have the documentation that they can tell the story. It's not just enough to say you were there anymore. And I think for guys, and, and for, you just had a baby, right? We did, yes. 
Yeah, there we go. So <laughs> for fathers, and you'll you see, because you're still a young dad, so by the time your kid comes around, uh, they'll be they should be really really rolling here. I I found myself thanking God that my son wasn't conscious to see what was going on a couple years ago with you know who trying to play quarterback for uh-huh, Brown. Uh-huh. Uh, I think a lot of dads now, you know, you look at it, your kid maybe is 12 years old, you want to put him in a good environment, people getting in fights in the stands, and then you, you, you feel surly about this team because they've been bad for so long. I think when it comes to the December question, we're not used to it yet, and they got to get used to it. you got to get used to, to having the feeling like you're going to go into a game and you're going to win that game because for the dads, the dads who are sending their, them and their three sons or two sons and daughter, they want to be in a safe environment, and they want to know that they're getting value, meaning they want to know that their team's going to have a shot to win. And people are excited about Baker, but I don't think I just don't think they're there yet. If they finish the season, they win two out of the next three or something like that, mm-hmm. and you could look at that final record and it says six nine and one or seven eight and one. I think some people are going to be hot and bothered and really excited about this football team next year. And you're going to, you'll have, you shouldn't have a problem because they should be good going into next December of getting everybody in the seats. But it, it's a, when you've had 19 years, say for about two, of just embarrassing losing, it, it's going to take a little bit longer than a month to get them going. And, and Baker, I think, recognizes that and respects that. But he does want to see some support because I think he feels like this thing is. This thing is really going to take off here coming up next year, and he wants people to be a part of it because he feeds off of that. So I think there's a little bit of that mix. But I think for the young ones, you got to make it a spectacle. you got to make it the place to be, the thing to see. And then for the older guys there, the 35-plus-year-old the, the guys who might have some adolescent kids and they want to bring out there, you got to make it worth the money to spend to take the kids out there to make the memories because – they want to see their favorite football team win, and they want to see it done in a pretty good environment, too. Yeah, I'm with you. All of those are fantastic points because I, I live here in Columbus, Ohio, and I, I have noticed that my generation, which is the when I came into watching the Browns, like they left, obviously, I was young. I, I'm an 89 birth, so I was, I was six when they left, and then they came back right when I hit, right when I hit 10 years old, and they have been, like you said, 19 years of just futility. And, and even the good years, it never really found to be as good as we hoped it could be. So I, I find it interesting living in Columbus and seeing the shift of more and more as I've grown up here and I've been around here, went to college around here, more and more Steelers stuff and Cincinnati stuff and how they are able to – there's no denying the Browns have one of the biggest fan bases in the world. Like the, it's, it's not a secret. Mm-hmm. And as they win, how quickly those things shift – especially in neutral markets in Columbus where it's you can pick north, you can pick south, or you can pick east. And I think that that will be very mm-hmm. interesting because the Steelers have captivated an entire generation. The Bengals have sort of capitalized on the last five to seven years. Um, and now it'll be – this is a very interesting discussion for me because I do think it's going to be important for the Browns to capitalize early with Mayfield and, and piggyback it into captivating that young audience. And like you said, I'm excited that my son, oh, yeah. hopefully his first football memories are number six running around – you know, first energy stadium. And that's an awesome experience for him. So I'm looking forward to it too. I'm with you. So, um, yeah, oh, Ken, totally agree. yeah, absolutely, man. I, I thank you. I thank you for coming on. I know you're a busy guy taking, taking a little bit of time. I, I hope we can do this again at some point. Oh, thank you very much for having me brother. Anytime you wish. I do appreciate it. Thank you. All right, guys. Uh, the big thanks to Ken and we will be right back. All right, guys, you heard it from Ken. There, there are a multitude of different angles in which this Browns coaching search can go, and I think all possibilities are on the table. I made sure to note 
uh, just today that, that a defensive mind is certainly on the table too, more so than we even thought. And that does include Greg Williams as his end-of-the-year performance has been really effective as well. Uh, but I, I will say that as Freddie Kitchens has evolved, he's been able to eliminate the need for a young offensive mind as your next head coach and has opened the door for a number of different possibilities in terms of who could be out there. The best part of all of this, guys, is that the Browns can sit back without freaking out about fitting their coach into one criteria and just be wowed by the best possible leader of men that they can find. It's an actual job that is in demand. It's an actual job that people will be coveting. There are going to be obvious limitations and obvious caveats to this job. The Haslam's are still involved, so on and so forth. But it is a real job that people in the national media across the NFL are really starting to respect. And that it all boils down to Baker Mayfield. It all boils down to Freddie Kitchens. And it all boils down to how you, how well this young roster can continue to grow and blossom. They have a plethora of cap space plethora of picks mid to late rounds again so it'll be really really interesting to see who they're able to pull in this search and I will again reiterate that the current staff should they win three more games is not off the table uh, for the possibility of being retained I think there there are a wide range of opinions that they could do better but the results are the results and this group has put together a really impressive one of the more impressive interim head coaching jobs that we have ever seen in the NFL the hot topic today was the firing of Minnesota offensive coordinator John DeFilippo. Uh, DeFilippo is obviously out of most of the major coordinator races. Not entirely sure what has gone on to eliminate him from Minnesota's big picture. Pretty strange to fire a coordinator this late in the season with so much on the line. Uh, there, were, there were reports from Pro Football Talk that he was uh, sort of gunning game plans around getting his, his head coaching job and, and putting in too many different wrinkles that were unnecessary instead of focusing on the things they needed. So uh, I, I was a proponent of Flit for a while, but with a, with a letdown of the last three to four weeks, I think you could see that he might not be ready for it. He really might not be ready for even being an offensive coordinator long term. And, and if you listen to, as Ken said in the interview there, guys, some of the players who played for him in 2015 in Cleveland, there was some unrest about who he was as a coach and an offensive coordinator. And I think that's a name that we can go ahead and bury. So, uh, you know, it's going to be interesting. I, I, I will pull as many guesses as we can possibly pull to get a feel for this. It, it is going to be the news around the NFL uh, as soon as the season is over and heading into the, you know, draft prospect evaluation scene is just who the Browns can, can pull for a job that is now really coveted across the NFL. It's a, it's a different landscape for this fan base, different landscape for the franchise, and it's really exciting times. So thanks, guys, for listening in. This has been Episode 11. Again, I will urge you to uh, give us a review, give us a subscription on iTunes. Always appreciate that. Always appreciate the love on the Browns Film Breakdown channel. Just welcomed in Brandon Leister full-time to give us some more analysis. We want to be the go-to stop for you guys. Any content, any video, any play, any scheme, come to us. We'll be able to answer it for you. So... Thanks again, guys, for listening in. We will be back later this week for a full Broncos preview with the OVR's John Stephenson, just like we did last week before Carolina. So we will have him on. He's at All22 Chalk Talk. Give you a good preview of what the Broncos do, what we think they're going to do, what the Browns need to do to stop them, and how the Browns can attack them offensively. So look out for that later this week, guys. Thank you again for joining us, and go Browns!